Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Between Hard Lines. I am your host, Jesse Call. Um, this is the podcast where we talk about hard topics and uh, normally have some difference in opinions and, and try to show that we can deal with it with a level head and a calm discussion. Um, today we've got a little bit of a special topic. It's uh, it, we're, we're dealing with a lot of stuff with what happened with George Floyd here in Minneapolis. Um, there's a lot of racial tension going on, a lot of racial inequality throughout the, the United States in general. Um, so we have decided to do a special episode. I have a special guest with me. I do not have our normal co-hosts, Brian and Sasha, as they were not able to make it. Just trying to get four people together in one podcast uh, episode just didn't work. But this is such an important issue I wanted to, to go through and, and just record this. So uh, my special guest is someone that I have known since... I think like third grade, right? It, 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 you'd be hard pressed to find someone that has known me as long as this gentleman. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he is a, a black American that has lived through a lot of stuff that I, as a white American cannot connect with or explain. So I felt it's very important to give him a voice. Um, I felt it's extremely important to allow his voice to reach our audience and I also think that it's uh, really important for those of you out there that may not be able to connect with what's going on in America today to listen and, and hear the struggles from somebody that is dealing with it firsthand. Um, and for those of you that are dealing with these struggles, you know, you'll resonate with this. And the, the hope is to help raise awareness. So uh, without further ado, my uh, co-host for today is uh, Mr. Maurice Turner. And uh, I affectionately know him as Mo. Mo, how you doing? Pretty good, Jess. How are you doing? Not bad. Um, you know, been better. Obviously, had a pretty rough, yeah. pretty rough ten days here. So uh, we'll just kind of jump right into it with everything that has happened with uh, George Floyd, the Minneapolis Police Department, with the um, racial inequality that's been going on throughout the police department in many states, and uh, just in general in life. Um, we're going to let you tell your story. We're going to let you reach who you need to reach. So, um, I guess at this point, let's just go. How, 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 what are your reactions to everything that's been going on? Um, my reaction is, if I'm going to paraphrase my reaction and that, and then that actually will lead into a whole bunch of discussion is that this is America. Um, it is just being brought to the forefront for reasons which I don't think we all truly understand or have the ability to understand right now. It is something that's stemming from years and years of uh, oppression to uh, people of my culture, um, stems from my ancestors, stems from your ancestors, it stems from uh, somebody thinking that they're better than somebody uh, but cowardly acting out those thoughts. We're all entitled to these thoughts, but I think that it's being cowardly portrayed as uh, as some form of a, of a movie. And, and with, with the way that we have pre-programmed ourselves with technology and with, uh, with the ways that we are told that we need to live our life, that with the good comes the bad, and the bad is being projected um, as the the good. And what I mean by saying that is, is that we need to, we we are being focused 
and we're being told to focus on the bad. And once the bad becomes the norm, then they think it's the good. And that's where media kind of comes in, right? That's that's where we're kind of being told what's bad, what's good, what we need, how we need to react, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, so I started off, I started off with the, with the topic of George Floyd in pure and utter utter, not hatred, but disappointment and and sadness. Um, not only because the obvious reasons that another person died and and the, the pause was because I wasn't going to say another black person but because another person died now how it resonates with me in terms of the focal point being racial um, uh, discrimination um, uh, injustice between the uh, justice system and government and whatnot th- those are different because the, the, the thing that happened the, the video that everyone in the world has now seen created pain, frustration, anger, and hate amongst myself and probably about 85% of the world's population. Um, but it also, it, it's, like, it's, it's like when we'll go with a minuscule type of a situation when your pet dies. Uh, three years ago, my dog, that I'd had for uh, since she was six weeks old had passed away the day before President's Day. Okay, and I went through in uh, a roller coaster of emotions that day, and and it also made me start not conspiracy thinking, but thinking about things like, well, what if I would have came home 20 minutes earlier? I wouldn't have, you know, I would have been able to see her die, or what if I wouldn't have went to work that day, or what if I would have brought her to the vet a couple more times, what if I would have had the money to give her the operation, but truth be told, we end up saying that she just died of natural causes, because she died at home, and she died loving the people that she loved, because she was a different type of dog. That all being said, I went through, these past days, I went through sorrow, I went through pain, I went through anger, then I started questioning things. And I'm still in that questioning type of mode where now we got to question everything that we see and that we hear. And throughout the course of this conversation, I'm sure a lot of those key points will come out for me. Um, but that's that's actually where I am right now. So you ask me how I'm doing, I'm doing a lot better than I was seven days ago. And seven days ago is when, um, I believe seven days ago is when the, the riots had already taken place, the, 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 the initiation of the riots had already taken place, and I'm sitting here at my home with my lady watching all of this stuff go down, and it was so surreal that all, this is going to sound funny, but all we could do was kind of not joke about it but try to find things that could put a smile on our face because this is something that our generation has never experienced. I'm talking about from our parents and my dad, he's, he's in the sixties and he had his own story. You know, he has his own story of the things that he went through as a biracial black man in America. 
and I am a biracial black man in America, but a lot of people aren't going to see that and they won't even know it because of the pigment of my skin. So there's a lot of generaliz generalization that's happening as well. And 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 the the part behind all of that 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 is that will consider the point is is that people that have gone through so much pain and so much struggle the ones that really really matter just like everybody matters but the ones that really really matter the voice that you really want to hear is the ones are the ones of the people who are still forgiving right because without forgiveness this is just going to continue and continue and continue and maybe that is the lesson that um, the Emmett Till situation that the Martin Luther King situation that the Eric Garner situation that all of these situations that regardless of the outcomes of uh, no file uh, no charges were filed or the person admits to lying or you know whatever the case may be that end result it, it resonated with the the people in my culture as we need to forgive and that is the bigger picture but we're not saying that we need for we need to forgive I'm not saying that we need to forgive for every bad thing that has happened to people of color or the culture I'm saying that we need to forgive ourselves and we need to understand that if we're all God-fearing human beings, that this ugly stuff that's going on these days, we need to forgive ourselves from it and move past it. And and if it's a deeper core issue that needs to be addressed, then let's all just step up to the plate, address it, and move on. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. So <clears throat> forgiveness is a very core lesson in humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Um you know, as you said, God-fearing. Well, not everybody is God-fearing nowadays. You know, the the further we get into our generation and, and our children's generations, it, it's unfortunate that we're seeing less and less, um, I would say, Christianity, moral, morals, morality. I don't really know the mm -hmm. right word to say, but that's where I learned forgiveness, right, from the Bible, um, to yes. forgive everybody, right? It's Forgiveness teaches the ultimate lesson in humility, Um allows you to see someone's weakness and forgive them for their weaknesses. But at the same time, you have to remove yourself from the abuse, right? Um, yes. Now, one thing that I want to make clear to, to the podcast listeners out here, and, and Mo, he mentioned this earlier. He said he's biracial. His father's biracial. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is if you were to look at Mo, you wouldn't know he's biracial. He's a darker pigmented skin. And that's important because – a lot of racism is stemmed from first impressions without actually meeting somebody. It's just what you mm -hmm. see. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's something as stupid and simple as how dark is your skin, right? Mm -hmm. The darker your skin, the more racial tendencies kind of start to peel out of somebody, right? Um, and sometimes, and this happens even with, with black people, right? They'll say, hey, you're light skin. You don't understand what we deal with as much. And right. look, here's the thing, right? Segregation, bigotry, racism, it sucks, no matter how what level of it you deal with. Um, but I want to jump into racism, and then we'll tell some more. We'll, we'll have Mo start telling a little bit more of a story. I want to kind of touch on, from a white person's perspective. Now, Mo knows me. I grew up, uh, most of my friends were black, 
right? So I grew up surrounded by that culture. So I was never, quote unquote, uh, your average white kid, right? No, let me and, let me stop you for a quick second as you're telling your story. Sure. I just want to uh, ask you for a little bit of clarity. You say most of your friends were black, and you and I coming from the same stomping grounds. That must mean you didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't hang out with a lot of kids from school, and you knew that. I I mean the the kids in the village. I just that wasn't my crowd. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was me, Jason, Sam, um, yep. DeAndre. You know, yep. you every now and again you'd be around and it. I, I I think there was two other white kids that hung out with us, but it was mainly just me. And we and the we, reason why I asked you that is be, is to set a, a, a set a visual of where we came from, where we grew up in. And your your statement, which is very powerful, I only had a lot of you know some black friends, but we came from a, a city where there weren't a lot of black people. That says a lot. So go ahead and continue. Right. Yeah, we came from very uh, white uh, Jewish suburbia basically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, for me to have a lot of majority of black friends was very unique for my situation. It, but it's also just, it, it's just the way my parents raised me. I, I never saw racism. I just, my mom and stepdad just taught me that everybody was the same. And to, for me, colored skin was never a thing. I guess maybe I was just never exposed to it like some other uh, white families were, but right. you know, and here's, here's where I can tell you that I can, I, I see how white people have reacted, right? So this is where a lot of um, – some people do they, – they do white people will do certain things that they don't even realize that they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, have you seen the movie Office Space? Yes. In the beginning, when the black guy is walking up the highway with flowers, right? Mm-hmm. What is the nerdy white guy doing? He's – what is it Snoop Dogg or something in his car and he's just he's blaring that shit and right. all of a sudden the black guy starts approaching what does he do he rolls up his window locks his door mm-hmm. now yep. he doesn't know that black man but he's immediately afraid of him mm-hmm. racism stems from fear yep. and why does the white person cross the street when they see a black person now I never did that because I surrounded my entire childhood with people of different color than me so I was just I mean to me there was nothing scary about hanging out with a black person right I mean that just wasn't for me it was just another person but I see other people they will literally cross the street or I've seen people literally turn around on a walking path when they see a black person and and my thought is every time why are they doing that what are they afraid of what what fear is there like you don't black people don't look scary what is the problem well here's i I agree with you and well so here's where like you said we're being told how to react right yep and these are i've come to a decision that for a lot of white people it's basically just driven into your dna the way you were raised the way you were taught in school um, and the movies and even things you've seen on TV, right? Oh, every black guy must be a, a, a blood or a crypt or a gangster from L.A., right? No, that's, yep. that's I mean, that's stereotypes. That is things that lead to issues, right? I mean, look at, um, we've got some of the, the smartest people on the planet are of African descent, and mm-hmm. 
that doesn't it's frustrating. It's really frustrating knowing from where I come from, right? And seeing the issues that you have dealt with that my other friends have dealt with and that I can't connect with because I don't deal with it. Here's a story. Uh I was constantly getting pulled over when Sam and DeAndre were in my car. Constantly mm-hmm. getting pulled over. When it was just me, I was never getting pulled over. Right. And, and I noticed this constantly. It's like, what the hell? And uh, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. So kind of touch base on this. Where does racism come from? I believe it stems majority from fear. What are you afraid of? Why does that person scare you? Why do they seem different to you? Do you truly think that every black person you see is a bad person or going to try to commit a crime? Are you profiling this person as someone that you have come to know through television, through history books that were not necessarily always true? or through some other reasons or stories that were being told down to you from your uh, your racist heritage, right? So right. In, like, this is where it's important. Some people do these things without even knowing that they're doing it. It's, yep. it's literally ingrained in them. That, and, and I'm sure people catch themselves like, why the hell am I doing this? This is stupid. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's yep. sad. Um, and this is kind of where I wanted to touch base on something else. So... Bo and I were talking about a discussion that I had had with with somebody on Facebook. Um, so there was a video that had happened, and so here's that was here's, a couple of years ago too. That video, right? yeah, it was like four years ago. It was like 2016 yep. or something. But this person didn't know that, right? They just mm-hmm. immediately jumped on the bandwagon of racist white people. And mm-hmm. um, so what had happened was someone had I saw on Facebook this morning. Someone had shared a video saying, "Hey." I just wanted to show people out there that not all cops are bad. Look at these two white cops that are in um, a, it was more of a project area, playing basketball with two black kids who were just hanging out by themselves in the driveway. So they pulled up and said, let's play some ball. And they played ball. And there was a neighbor across the street that filmed them through the screen door. And this lady on Facebook says, oh, he's they're just wanting to be recorded because of what happened. Well, first of all, lady, this happened four years ago so that's your point is invalid mm-hmm. um secondly and, and then she said something about all you white people and she was white as like i said the day is long right mm-hmm. so she is speaking for black people on an issue she cannot comprehend regardless of who her friends are regardless of who her family is just the fact that she isn't discriminated against because of this color of her skin she cannot connect to it on an emotional level, just like I can't. I, as much as I've seen it, I, and as much as I've been able to empathize with my friends, I can't connect to it because it doesn't happen to me. And, and where I'm frustrated as a white person that stands for equality, that has stood side by side with Mo and our other friends my entire life, where I get frustrated is being called a racist by people, by other white people that don't even know me. And where that gets frustrating is because they are speaking on behalf of people who actually have struggles and not giving them the voice that needs to be heard. And they are, it's condescending. And it is, in a lot of cases, um, it goes against the cause, right? And, mm-hmm. and if, 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 
you're a white person speaking for a black person, look, it's okay to empathize with their situation. You, everyone should. Everyone should. That's how we learn. Like, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. is wrong. But don't you dare speak for them as far as their struggles because you're just taking away from what the message they need to get out is. Yep. You got that right. I believe that two things that I do believe, I, I think that in today's day and age in the society that we live in, if if we have been grown or taught or programmed, however you want to call it, to, to see the struggle from uh, a black culture's point of view, I think the the new generation of uh, whites that are that are actually speaking up, although good-hearted, I think that it's it's being the the media is being saturated by things, and and the message that white people that are standing up for uh, the black culture is great. Don't get me wrong. And uh, quick side note: I had a conversation with my father, who is a retired airport fire department uh, um, an employee, and he was also served in the um, Air Force. Um, I asked him what needs to happen, and this is before this. This would have been like maybe day five uh, of our lives changing here in Minnesota after Memorial Day. Um, he said that what needs to happen is white women need to start speaking up, right? And and I thought um, I was like, well, that's weird. It's a weird <laughs> thing here. Um, but okay, I I'll, I'll 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 allow myself to to try and accept that. And then now we've got a whole bunch of white people speaking up for. Uh, black people's oh. rights and uh, you know everything that's going there. on, but then just like you said, <laughs> the same thing. We're doing it in a in a weird way, right? Like at first, you you saw somebody walking down the street and you clutch your purse because they were black. Now, because they're black, we're gonna stand up for them. We're gonna you know everything. Nope. And, and if you're white and you don't agree, you're wrong, right? Well, I mean, come on now, <laughs> you know that like extreme white people are very extreme. And that's that can be comical, but it's also very wrong. Not for white people being extreme, but to think that the uh, and and please forgive me if I if I use this term incorrectly, the white privilege gives you the right to be extreme with everything in white life. Yeah, well, here's let's touch on this because I think a lot of a lot of white people get offended at white privilege and. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they should be offended because the white privilege is a thing. And I think the easiest way to explain white privilege is it's not that you're, you're, you you don't, it's, you're just not judged as much. That's white. Mm -hmm. That's the basis of white privilege, right? So the fact that I was never pulled over, but whenever Sam and Jason and um, DeAndre and them were in my car, I was pulled over. Right. So there's there's my white privilege. My white privilege was when I'm alone and interacting with the world, I'm not being looked at with prejudice. Um, That's white privilege. Now, you can white privilege is a is a blanket statement that can really encompass a lot. And I apologize for the dogs. They're going nuts. My wife went home. Went away. They're doing their little screaming thing. That's they do that twice a day. So, bear with me. I apologize. Um, I didn't want. That's why I was laughing earlier. I wasn't laughing at what Mo was saying. I was laughing because my dog started howling. But um, 
yeah, white privilege is is a crazy thing. Like it's it exists. And here's a good story. So my wife and kids are Native American, and mm-hmm. um, my wife worked um, at U.S. Bank and in downtown Minneapolis, and she was yeah. approached by. We're going to say Karen, okay? And I know some people are offended by Karen, but that's just basically suburban white stay-at-home mom or working mom Karen, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. She was approached by a white woman, and they were talking about something, and she and she looks at my wife, she goes, well, that's just your white privilege showing. And she looked at her, and she goes, excuse me? She's like, I'm Native <laughs> American, first of all. You don't know anything <laughs> about me, and you're yeah. white. So... <laughs> Don't talk to me about white privilege when my people have been persecuted and murdered in the millions. And so that lady quickly shut up and walked away. But, (laughs) but the thing is it's, it's white people throwing around these insults to other white people that isn't doing any good. It's not, you have to talk. That's like, that's like brothers and sisters using the N word in their songs. And I don't mean the hard R I mean, a so nigga, this nigga, that Mm -hmm. they, you know, they, it's, and we'll touch on that one as well, but that is the same exact thing because now what it is is when somebody comes and checks you on that, now you're offended because you're getting checked because, well, I should be able to do this and I should be able to do it. Well, I didn't say it with that type of talk. Right, but you said it. And instead of saying, instead of defending the reason why you said it or why you believe you have the right to say that, why not just listen to who it affected, who's, who's giving you the benefit of the doubt to educate you versus uh, persecute you for saying something that you thought you were saying in a non-discriminatory uh, way. Well, and I said it once in high school um, the, with, the, with, with the A. <laughs> I said it once with the A. Yeah, a I, was, I love how you said it once. Well, and Jason, once. Jason looked at me, and he says, you know, if I didn't know you, yeah. I'd beat your ass right now. And I said, well... Yeah. I was like, I didn't use the R. <laughs> and he's like, that doesn't matter. And I said, and, and that for me, and I knew I knew better, but I didn't know better because we were talking about a song. It was some Eminem lyrics. And right. and I was and I was like, you know, he never says the word. And then I said the word. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. So if he never says it, why did I just say it? And it wasn't intentional. Right. It was just, but I didn't recognize it at the moment. Look, that word has played a massive role in uh, segregation in the history of our country. Um, I mean, it is it is single handedly one of the dirtiest slurs you can utter in our language. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so much so that when you when the new the new plight out here, and I actually saw a post earlier this morning where where it was a white lady saying something about can't, the word Karen is uh, now as hard as the N word uh, in society. Please stop calling us Karens because that is just like saying the N word, right? Yeah, I and saw now that. we're going to go with the obvious. Um, Karen, you did not say the what the word of the N word was. You kept it PC and said the N word. So nope, it's not as bad as the N word because the N word is scar on america that keeps getting picked off every time somebody uses it and she subconsciously knew that and that's what's Mm -hmm. crazy because she said n-word instead of the actual word which so now that we're focused on the n-word why don't we jump into um this this is this is it's uncomfortable question for me to ask you but you i i prepared you in advance Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. because i i respect you for one and i wanted you to think about something so um, why don't you tell 
the story about the first time you heard the N-word with the racial undertone? Um, so we grew up in Mendota Heights. Mendota Heights is a suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul. So we are probably about 25 minutes, give or take, uh, your route uh, to to downtown, and, and we'll go with that same amount of time to 38th and Chicago, south side. Um, so growing up in Mendota Heights, you know, my sister and I, we automatically knew, and me, I started going to Mendota Elementary first grade on, right? I, quick little tidbit, am one of the first black kids to successfully complete the independent school district 197 from first grade to graduation on time, mind you, and I never got any kind of recognition for that. I don't know if you knew that. Well, no, because yeah, you you started because Mendota opened up in your first grade, my second grade, and correct. And I don't yeah. I don't remember the other than your sister, which I think was a year boat behind you, right? No, Shantae no, was ahead. She was ahead of you. Yeah, that's so. Yeah. But there was I'm trying to think in your grade, Cameron Davis, okay, uh, Lillian Andrews, and now now here's here's funny about history. You and I were uh, when we first started talking on this phone call today. Said you barely remember anything from high school. <laughs> we're going back to elementary school. Cameron Davis, Maurice Turner, which is me, Lillian Andrews, and that is it. Yeah. Three black kids, yep. and now myself in first grade was the only black kid. My sister and I, the only black kids in Mendota Elementary School. And it was all the way up until third grade when Cameron Davis came in, and then Lillian Andrews came in in fourth grade. Yep. So the first time that I was ever called the uh, racial slur was, I believe, this was the first time I would have been riding my bicycle through Mendota, uh, through Mendota Heights, and uh, one of the somebody just wanted to pull up and decided to let me know who I was and give me a hard look, like "What are you gonna do about it, little black boy?" I'm saying "little black boy" because I'm a little black boy at that point, but the the words described and the look given to me was of pure hate. And this was somebody that, in retrospect, was probably, I don't know, maybe junior high school age, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that just sat with me. And I'm like, why? You know, now, we can ask why. Now, did you know the extent, the extent of that word at the time? Like, how young were you? Yeah, I knew. I've always known. That's one thing that my father uh, never sugarcoated for us um and, and how young was i i want to say this was late 80s late you know mid to late 80s so we're talking about 86 through 89 time frame right yeah um and and first but not the last time that that's ever happened and i'll actually tell you a, a more uh, more relevant story to give you more context and detail behind it um and this one this one will have to do with you know high school and this and this that'll be a good one too but um but how i felt then i i knew that all of that stuff was present um my father 
being a single father uh, living in Mendota Heights with two kids working full-time as a firefighter and his shifts were 24 hours on 24 hours off um, left his two children and this is not a bag by any means left had to leave his two children to basically take care of themselves so that he could put the roof that they live under on their you know uh, uh, in their life uh, my sister being two years older than me this year I am going to be 39 in uh, October no, I'm sorry I'm going to be 40 in October that's going to make my sister in July 42 um, so as young kids as as first grade and as third grade uh, we were taking care of my uh, ourselves. Uh, unforeseen type of situation. There are some things about my black culture and my black life that does cater to the statistics and um, the statistics that are being negatively sp uh, spoke about uh, my black people. I am part of a statistic. I come from a, uh, a divorced home. Uh, my mother was not in my life uh, uh, in in any sort of a guidance type of frame but yeah uh, uh, only as like a long-distance relationship she resided in Colorado where I was born uh, for a short period of time and then in the early 90s she moved down to Texas where she resides to this day so my father went through uh, another form of a struggle having to provide for his children and and making the decisions to do the work that he did uh, the work ethic that he adhered to um, to provide to his kids so he would also instill this education within within his kids that this is the world that we live in that they're going to they look at us as uh, uh, as the n-word and I'm respecting you right now with with your format uh, and your platform um, but I would definitely keep it as real as he told me but uh, for the for your listeners and for the intent of this conversation I will not but he, he would tell me they only see you as the n-word they only think of you as the n-word and and with that said they're never going to look at you as a positive person they are always going to see you as a threat you're going to have to work 10 times harder you're going to have to always be on time you're going to have to always be early you're going to have to always look over your shoulder because this is the world that we live in he started instilling that in me uh, since I was 10 years old I want to say and and these are the things that I kept in my psyche and and as I grew and as I started to because I'm naive at the time I love everybody bro there's no person that I will not approach with open arms and shake their hand and 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 give them the time of day. Hell, give them the food off my uh, plate, give them the shoes off my back. There's not one person out here that I would not do that for. And at the same time, I also had to realize that they still see me as the N-word. They still see me as a threat. They still see me as a thug. Boy, you better not be sagging your pants out there because they're going to see you as a thug. Boy, you better keep your hair cut nice and uh, looking clean because they see you as this. They see you as a threat. And as long as they see you as a threat, they have, a, they have an advantage over you because they're stronger than you. And there's more of them there are you. This is back in the 80s, and those, those some of those models have changed. Some of those numbers have subsided and risen. But these are the things that um, uh, 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 a biracial man in America, a biracial black man in America, had to teach his child and his children. And as that child grew up 
and experience life. I saw that that was the best history lesson, uh, history lesson that I could have gotten from the Independent School District 197, and that did not even come from the Independent School District 197. Yeah, I mean that's and that's powerful stuff. I mean, you know, you touched on just something simple as, you know, everyone's gonna think you're a thug, right? Um, yep. And that's where, again, the the deep down stereotypes that a lot of people are born with come out. And yep. just to give you an example, not every black person is a thug or quote unquote ghetto, right? There's plenty even of even the ones that look like it. Yeah, there's plenty of white people that are ghetto as hell. I mean, yep. super ghetto to the point where, you know, it's a lifestyle. It's not a skin color. It, it's it's a way, look, I've always told people, you know, I don't like to judge people, but mm-hmm. judgment is human nature. We judge mm-hmm. people based on their actions and how they interact with the world. That's just, yep. you, you judge them based on, hmm, that person's kind of a dick. I'm just not going to hang out with them. That's a judgment. Now, you're not saying it to their face and you're not being mean about it, but you're judging them in your head, right? Everyone does mm-hmm. that. Everyone makes mm-hmm. judgments on others. I've always said, I will judge you based on how you interact with the world, not how you look. Because right. if you come up to me, you're white, green, purple, yellow, orange, and you're ghetto and thuggish and want to take other people's stuff, okay, that's a mentality that is not a skin color. Same thing with hillbillies, okay? There, I listen. <laughs> I one of the biggest hillbillies ever met in my life was black. He taught me how to fish for Northern, up in Northern Wisconsin, where my dad is from. His his name was Mike. He taught me a lot. He taught me how to fish, and he was one of the biggest hillbillies I ever met in my life. Honest to God, and he, it, it, it was, God. It's it's so frustrating to see people interact with society when we know that they have an issue with the a type of uh, a type of person, right? Not yes. the skin color of a person, but a type of a person, right? So some people just they hate countries, they hate hicks, they hate hillbillies. Okay, fine, mm-hmm. but a country hick hillbilly can be any color because that's mm-hmm. that that is a way of life for that person. Yeah. See, we have bad people, and I don't mean to cut you off. We have, but we have bad people, um, and we have good people, right? right. And the the good hopefully outweighs the bad, but the bad has a more powerful voice right now because the 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 way that the bad is, the the good people are are uplifting that by talking about it and talking about it in ignorant ways, talking about it in educated ways, and talking about it as if they have the power to change something. And what people don't really understand is is that nobody is going to ever have the power to change something unless you educate your children. I'm talking about I don't remember half of elementary school. I don't remember three quarters of, uh, of junior high school. And I only stuff I remember about high school is, is a lot of racial tension that happened. But <laughs> I remember what my father told me about my race, my culture, my ethnic background, and how I'm going to be treated. And I'll tell you what, I remember that as if it happened yesterday. You... I'm 39 years old, and he told me this when I was about 10 years old. That's when he started telling me this stuff. Do you? So it's not, it's not going to change until we educate our children. Right. We're, we're screwed. We're screwed. 
we're done. You know what I'm saying? We have plateaued and we're starting to decline. Our generation, the 80s, ba- the 80s babies that were so cool and had um, cassette tapes and call waiting and oh, yeah. caller ID and cable TV and pagers and, tapes <laughs> and pagers. You dig? We're done. But our children, the ones that we decided to bring into this world are the ones that are going to inevitably help the evolution of peace in our mankind. You know, there is some good, and I'll say this. You know what's awesome about our gen- our kids is, like, my daughter, she's 16, mm-hmm. and she's seen all this stuff happen, and she sees this crap, and she just looks at me like, what the hell's wrong with your generation? <laughs> like, <laughs> like and, we and, said the same thing about our, you know, our predecessors. <laughs> sure, but, I mean, well, okay, so remember in high school, you remember all the race wars we had? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Let's meet up at Martholler. And, Martha and, Aller or Cherokee, yeah. or, you know, what I'm blacks saying? versus yeah. whites, Mexicans versus Asians. You remember that? Yeah. I mean, I that doesn't happen. I mean, I'm sure it does, but like to no end. Like I asked my daughter, says, "Is there racism in your school?" She's like, "No." I was like, "She's it, 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 at our school. It was our school was so segregated into groups." Mm-hmm. Um, and and that wasn't the jocks and the nerds. No, no, it was, it was, it was color of skin. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, I remember one Remember Pedro, Pedro Lopez. Yeah. My people's. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome dude. And Mm -hmm. he taught like, I remember, but he, he was one of the first people I saw cross that line. You know what I'm saying? With the metal heads. And a lot of people would say, you listen to metal. Well, okay, why can't he? Right. Why can't he? Why doesn't he deserve the right to listen to metal? He can play right. the guitar better than you can, I guarantee it. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? You know? And it's mm-hmm. like and he was he was super good friends with one of my best friends. You remember Pete? And uh Pedro Pete, they hung out all the time. Yeah. White and black, both loved metal. They hung out yeah. because they had a common interest. They didn't hang out because of the color of their skin. They hung out because they had a common interest. And we're seeing that more and more nowadays, which is good. And I'm I'm hoping as the generations go, this shit just goes away. Who knows if it ever now will. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. And, and, and I'll ask you to give me a, a different, more explanatory. Ex, go deep into the, the answer this time. Yeah. How much black history do you remember from Independent School District 197? Hardly any. Hardly any. I mean, Harriet Tubman, Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King, and uh, uh, Malcolm X. I mean, I just, I know. I-K-E. Just, I I just, I don't know. I mean, it's not that they didn't teach us. It's just, maybe they didn't, well, I mean, I know some of the reasons why. They didn't teach us. I know, they didn't teach us. It was, it was, it was glossed over very very yeah. softly um yeah. but i also wasn't paying a whole lot of attention but uh, yeah no it, there just wasn't a whole lot of um content regarding it that's why i think black history be, month is a great thing and it needs to be taught yeah as, but it shouldn't be taught the last three days and, and no. a lot of people um a lot of people that's how they learn their their black history but once again it's the last three days and and one uh, uh my fiance's son, who just recently graduated high school, graduation 2020, um, he, he, I asked him throughout his four years of school, and it, and it did get to a point where um, he didn't like me asking this question anymore, but I would ask him, once around February came, 
uh, did you learn any black history at your school? Did they teach you anything in black history at your school? Oh, no, they didn't. Well, let me help you learn some stuff. And I would try and teach, and I would try and teach. And it's just like, well, I don't want to. And this kid by no means is he uh, uh, of any sort of discriminatory type of uh, person. He does not have that type of hate in his heart. But he didn't want to learn. He didn't want to learn about it. And, and it took all the way up until the unfortunate events that have happened here in Minnesota in, in 2020 that he actually started to hear and he actually started to understand what what's going on out here. And then I was able to reiterate that is why you need to learn your history, not only for you, but you have two biracial, cho uh, two biracial siblings that they're going to need to learn. And why not be the person who can stand up and say, I'm doing a part, not my part, but I am doing a part, which is a very important part in, in educating because it's starting with home. And it, and it affects me because I've got two little black, uh, black and white mixed brothers and sisters who I love and who are beautiful to me. And I don't want them to go through whatever... Um, has been going on for the past centuries upon centuries. Yeah, absolutely. And and that kind of transitions. I want to transition into a couple more topics before we wrap it up sure. here. Um, so one thing is, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about how harmful statements can be made coming from the wrong um, category. I, don't, I hate to say category because I don't like categorizing people, but you know what I'm saying, like the wrong kind of statement coming from the wrong people. Um, yes. And one of those is I don't see color. Okay. Yeah. That is such an arrogant thing to say. Yeah. Um, but it's got, so it's arrogant at the same time it's not because it's a good mindset to have to not see color, but you don't need to broadcast it to the world that you don't see color. Just act it out. Just live your life that way. You don't need to um, go up to a black person and say, hey, by the way, I just want you to know I don't see color. Okay. But by making that statement to a black person, you just contradicted yourself. Yeah, that's kind of like that uh, coming from uh, the black perspective, hearing the term I don't see color is just like hearing the term, well, I've got one black friend that doesn't make me racist. Exactly. It's You, you don't do anything good by talking. Um, a, I shouldn't say you do anything good by talking about it because some good can come of talking about inequality and other issues but in the right settings. Like, for example, this podcast. We yeah. are talking about issues because we are discussing these issues. We aren't yeah. bringing them to the forefront out of nowhere and making it uncomfortable because it doesn't need to be brought up, right? That's kind of why they say um, actions speak louder than words. Show, show, show you aren't racist. Show you're for equality. Show that you love everybody equally. Don't talk about it. Because people it. will see it. They'll see it. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. people see things, it registers. Memory. It, you you learn more by seeing than you do by hearing. That's just and that's just the way it that, works. That, that's something where I'm glad that you said that because I put up on a excuse me, I put up a pretty little funny post last night on my uh, on my Facebook and I said, you know, our children our generation's children are going to grow up and look in the history books 
and whether what we had actual history books, ladies and gentlemen, little kids out there listening, we had actual history books. We didn't come from tablets and digital formats. We know how to write in cursive. Uh, we had spelling bees, and it wasn't. There was no Google when we came up. <laughs> we so had rucksacks that around. we carried was, around. Was good. Yeah, we had fifty-pound <laughs> backpacks. <laughs> so when I say our children are going to uh, grow up and look in the history books, and and they're going to ask us one funny question: Who in the hell is this Karen person? Everybody kept talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's how it's going to go. I mean, but we also have to find the humor in everything. And, and for this being such a strong, detrimental topic for for our our nation, you know, where do we find the humor? Uh, it's definitely going to change. It's definitely going to take its toll on uh, America. It's going to take its toll on the world, but it has to. You know, one thing that um, I've been saying about the uh, unfortunate riots that uh, – that came about because of protests that came about because of social injustice is that I don't condone any of that whatsoever. Um, I would not have got, listen, a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something real quick. Um, I've got a great, uh, I love this person with my life, uh, friend of mine and her name is Janine and her and I started talking about stuff. Um, I think it was day two after uh, George Floyd had gotten killed. Um, she had called me, and um, we we got into it for a good minute, and, and then she sent me a text message and said, you know what, I'm going down. Let's go down. I'll come and pick you up. Now, this person lives in Rockford, Minnesota, right? I live up in Forest Lake, Minnesota, and Minneapolis, as you know, is, is where Minneapolis is. So in between all of that drive time, we're talking about a good hour and 45 minutes. If she were to have left her house, came over to pick me up, and then we went over to Minneapolis to be a part of the protests, right? Mm -hmm. That's the same night that um, the fire started. I told her I can't. I can't go. You know, I had to look at a bigger picture. I had to be more forgiving than anything. I had to look at a bigger picture and say, you know what? I've got my family that I need to take care of. I've got a job that j I've been waiting for, twiddling my thumbs, not being able to be productive to get back to work. And then the, the, the COVID thing happened, so that made it even harder to get back to work. But I finally got back to work. And if I go out there, not thinking that things were going to go the way that they went, but if I go out there and I spend all night at this place, and then I have to get up and go drive because I'm a construction worker, and, I, and my primary uh, job title is a driver. I have to go out and drive. I'm going to be putting myself and others in danger if I don't take care of myself. So I told her I respectfully declined. I cannot go. And that was the same night that every riot kicked off. Right. And I think it was more... Um, what is the word that I'm looking for here? It was more God sent. I think that God has kept me away from all of that. And I think that God has told me that you need to start looking at things. You need to be outside of the box and look at it and see what's going on because it's not what's in front of your face. It's not what's in front of your face, the tragedies that are happening. There are people from, and I don't mean left ring, white ring when I say this. There are people from the left doing stuff. There are people from the right doing stuff. And But everybody's just focused on that bullseye in the middle. 
And that bullseye in the middle is what the the media or whoever is in charge. Because there is something greater, bro. There is something so much greater than what's in front of our eyes that is going on right now. And, and everything that's going on in front of our eyes right now means absolutely nothing to what's really getting ready to crack off. Oh, it's a fight for but, power. I mean, that's what it is. No, no, I, well, I, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, but the, the person who has the power is controlling everything. And, and it's not the president. It's not the government. Like, I'm talking above, above, yep. above. Oh, yeah. You follow that chain of command, and that one person up there or, or that one group of people up there, they are playing with us like the ultimate game of SimCity. It's the wealthiest people on the planet, the ones that are controlling yep. everything. And they're not all white either. Nope. <laughs> this isn't about race at this point. It's about power. Um, yep. And, yeah, no, I agree. And 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 I think, and I would go a little step further. I'd say, yes, you know, you say God, and I'm Christian. I'm a Christian man. I, I've got tattoos of crosses on my body. Listen, mm-hmm. but I'd also say that this is also 39-year-old, more mature Maurice with a family that knows, hey, there's more at stake than just my emotions. There's right. a lot more at stake with me being able to make sure I don't get myself into a situation where I can't, A, provide for my family, and B, yeah. teach my kids, be around to teach my kids, because clearly there's an issue with some of the police force out here. And there's, yeah. okay, so um, we've got we've been at almost an hour, so I, wa- I still got a couple more things I want to talk about, because, God, this is such a big topic. Um we One can, thing we is, can re- part it. we can definitely two part it. I, I'm willing to talk as much as, as I, I think we may, ha- we might have to, but I, there's still some things I want to get out. So there's something I learned. Yeah. I learned this, and the reason why you noticed we, we had uh, Philando Castile, um, yes, and with now George George Floyd, and there is, yes. uh, was there somebody from Australia, some a black woman from Australia or something? No, I, that was the white lady who got killed by the uh, the uh, by the cop. Oh, okay. So, but in Minnesota, in Minnesota, there's 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 a lot of cop violence. Um, yes. There's one thing that a lot of people don't realize: Minnesota is one of the few states that it's against the law for a panel of civilians to review the behavior of police. Yeah. In a lot of states, they actually have panels of civilians and council members, things like that, um, like just civilians that will review the behavior and actions of a police force. But in mm-hmm. Minnesota, there's a law that prevents that from happening. That's why there's a lot of things that cops can do in Minneapolis that they just get away with because they mm-hmm. cannot be judged by a panel of citizens. Um, I don't know the, the actual term for that. Um, I just learned this actually yesterday, and I, it kind of blew my mind. Like, is this a real thing? And it's a real thing. Um, so one of the things that needs to change it doesn't look. How do you stop racism from on the, being on the police force? I don't know. Nobody knows that. How how do you how do you weed that out? That's damn near impossible to do. You just don't know. You can't. But what you can do is you can hold them to a higher standard, right? You can say, mm-hmm. okay, obviously we understand that police do need to have the ability to use force in a little bit different manner than your average citizen if it's needed, right? But these types of things need to be regulated hardcore. They need to be saying, look, if you're going to use excessive force, guess what? 
you're now going to be held to a much higher standard and it's going to be looked at under a microscope and you will face charges if you do it unnecessarily, right? There isn't yeah. going to be that loophole or those scapegoats that they're going to be able to use to uh, abuse their power. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what color you are. There's people out there that abuse their power. And mm -hmm. um, that's just human nature. And I don't think you can fix that. Um, but you can regulate it. And I think that's, especially Black, uh, Black Lives Matters, that's one of the biggest uh, platforms that, that that movement, which, because it's not a group, um, it's a movement that is designed to uh, showcase police brutality against black people, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, in, in, in we're going to touch on this. All Lives Matters, okay? I'm going to let you speak on it because I'm sure you've got a huge opinion on it. But I want to give my opinion on this. I heard this yesterday. Someone said mm -hmm. this, and it resonated with me. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of white people will say all lives matters. It's a good sentiment to have, right? All lives really do matter. It, life matters, okay? But saying all lives matters in the context of a Black Lives Matters conversation is a big problem. And here's mm -hmm. why. By saying all lives matters in the context of a Black Lives Matters issue, what you're actually doing, and here's a comparison that somebody actually made on the internet that just blew me away. He said it's like being at the beach, seeing somebody drowned, and them screaming, I'm drowning. You looking at them and saying, nobody deserves to drown, and then just turning around and walking away. Yep. Yep. That's You're right. That Black Lives Matters is a specific movement for a specific problem. It's mainly focused on police brutality towards black individuals and inequality when it comes to law enforcement towards black people. That's mm -hmm. the purpose of that hashtag. It's not mm -hmm. that black people don't deserve to die. That's just common freaking sense. I almost cussed. It's common sense. <laughs> Nobody deserves to die, right? I mean, very few. Right. I suppose there's there's a handful of people that probably do. But you get what I'm saying. It's not black people deserve to live. That's not the point. It's black people don't deserve to die at the hands of inequality from our police force. So don't say all lives matter because white people, and I'm, I'm sure Asians and Mexicans, they do see this to some extent as well, right? So, they, But white mm -hmm. people... Don't go out and say all lives matters. You're not helping. You're just <laughs> that's you're taking away from the meaning of Black Lives Matters. It's not Black Lives Matters because, damn it, we're more important than white people. No, it's hey, we're being targeted with racial profiling by police officers. Black Lives Matter. Stop killing us. That's we're getting targeted because of the color of our skin. Correct, and that brings us way right back to the first part of our, our of our conversation today. You know, if you look at me, you have you see that I'm a black man, but you don't know that I'm a biracial person. You're gonna look at my son, my oldest son, who is who is Mexican and black, so he is Afro Latino. When you look at him, you're going to see a Mexican person. You're not going to know that he is Afro Latino. 
you're going to look at my daughter uh, and my youngest son, and and they, I don't know how they're going to end up turning uh, complexion-wise, but they are definitely darker. They don't look like their mom. See, the funny thing about it is, is that you can put black seed into a white person and come out with black seed. You can put black seed into a Mexican person and have it come out looking like a black seed and vice versa. You cannot put white seed into a black person and have the end result being black. Uh, yeah, have the end result being black. It doesn't happen. Like, I, it, it sounds kind of funny, but the genes of uh, the black culture are strong. You dig? So it's like you can tell, but you, but you might not be able to tell anything else. Like you look at me, you can't tell that I am, I would say, about 70% white, right? 70% uh, on the white culture of, or of European descent. I did my ancestry and everything like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm a lot from Africa, and I'm a little bit from Europe, right? And I look like I'm straight up just black. Not black, black, not African, black. Not lickety black black. I'm just a black man. I am what the world sees me, but what the world does not know is is the truth that everybody needs to look at. And instead of people coming out and to uh, touch on your all uh, all lives matter topic, instead of um, hearing that and and that's not resonating real well with you because I'm not liking that. And I gotta say, all lives matter. Well, yeah, you're right. And that all lives do matter because what a lot of people aren't being uh, aren't talking about in the midst of George Floyd is the white dude that got killed by the uh, the cops in the very exact same way. Yep. Right. Yep. Um. But nobody's talking about that. But that there's your all lives matter, right? How come the all lives matter people aren't sitting there putting that post up? letting that video go viral or anything like that because it's not about all lives mattering to all of those Karens. All of those Karens just don't want other people to steal the glory of what everybody has a right to do, and that is live. Whether or not you as a person want to tr treat your life like crap and, and make it the way that it goes horribly and when you get your chance to be our creator and you get judged by uh, uh, the creator accordingly, right? No, we need to make it Nice and clear that right now, as you're living on this earth, all lives matter and not black lives matter. Well, that is the stupidest thing that anybody can ever think or feel. And, and, and I say stupid because you are uneducated at that point. Yep, all lives do matter. And guess what? Um, I believe it was Fidel, uh, after Fidel got killed, I did come out and say that once too. You know what? It ain't about black people. It is all lives. All lives matter. And the way that I was saying it was um, because it's not just black people that are getting killed by the police. It's not just black people that are getting um, um, treated in a certain way. You know, there are other cultures that matter. So unfortunately, when I said all lives matter, I didn't mean it as white people. I meant it as the blacks, the browns, the Mexicans, the Latinos, the Asians, and then at the very end of the list, and I don't mean for this to come off harsh, then white people, right? Because white people have done some crazy things in this world, and in this, in the lifetime and lifetimes that have happened, white people have done some crazy things to have the goals to jump. That'd be like R. Kelly coming out, getting out, of, getting out of prison, right? 
and then it'd be like him coming out with a um, a children's sing along song. Like, are you serious, bro? Right. <laughs> Inappropriate. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. No, I I totally agree. Yeah. No. And so, so yeah, we know that we we know that all lives matter. Black culture knows that all lives matter. Uh, but at the same time, there has been 450 plus years of all lives mattering except for black people's lives. So uh, like everybody else, you pick a, pick a friend on your Facebook message and what their posts are going to say is uh, um, all lives matter once black lives start mattering more, you know? Yes, I agree. And now that you brought up Facebook, let's touch on this quick because we're going to wrap it up. Um, so I, I, another one of my um, black friends on Facebook, he posted the uh, – the, the WCCO article that showed that George Floyd did test positive for COVID-19. So like the article yes. was um, posted, you know, uh, autopsy shows George Floyd tested positive for COVID-19. That's all the article said mm-hmm. on the, the headline. And then he mm-hmm. tags it and says BS. And then there's just this huge tirade, mostly black Americans saying, of course, they're going to blame him, blame this on COVID. They're going to let this cop off. I, I opened the article in literally the first paragraph said, However, it is not the cause of his death, right? So I took a snippet of that. I put it right underneath the comments and said, 90% of you didn't even click on the article to read what was being said. They stated, yes, he tested positive, but it did not have any bearing on his death. So they're saying the absolute opposite of what you guys are enraged about because you didn't take five minutes to click on the article and read it. There is so much unnecessary drama that is caused by fear-mongering and by people wanting a platform to stand on. But uh, yep. to be fair, you know, he, he's, a, he's a black American in Minnesota that has just gone through this, so they're pretty fed up, right? So the, the leash on that sort of topic is pretty short. I don't blame him for being worked up, but at the same time, we do have to maintain... A, a very similar level of level-headedness, right? Click that article. Yeah, but, that, read but it. at the same at the same time, though, like we're we're still talking about years upon years of um, of a picture being painted to to um, um, make it all right that that a, a tragedy has happened. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it it went from it went from in the Emmett Till situation. You know, the lady. Uh, before on her deathbed admitted that she lied about everything, right? And and the reason that Emmett Till got killed is because he was black, right? And everybody knew that the reason why he got killed was because he was black. But then when the, once the lady was getting ready to die, she lets go of her secret and says, well, you know, really none of that stuff really happened. So now you allowed somebody to get killed for nothing. And then we all look at the media is pushing that we must look at the person's past, as to a reason why, you know, don't nobody care about, don't don't nobody need to care what George Floyd was into prior to Memorial Day 2020. Nope. Because that, nothing that he was into prior to that, I don't care if if homie was smoking a blunt on the corner of 38th and Chicago, which a lot of people do. Sure. And that's why he got killed. I don't. I don't care about none of that stuff. I don't care how many times he was ever arrested. You know what I'm saying? But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you like this, and I'll answer it this way, and I'll, and I'll keep it real short because I know you're running pressed for time. Yep. If 
I've been saying ever since it happened, what if it was me, right? Because if it was me, would you have felt the same way? If it was me, would you have stood up for me and saved my life? If it was me, would you be digging into my past to see what type of bad person I was? If it was me, would you mourn me? If it was me, would you come to my funeral? If it was me, would, would somebody get $6 million on my behalf? If it was me, would I have changed the world? If it was me, would it just be my 15 minutes of fame? You dig? So if if it was me, I'll come, I'll be transparent right now. I've had run-ins with the police. I've had guns drawn on me by the police. I've had the police tell me they'll kill me, not care. I've had police in Minneapolis, in Mendota Heights, in St. Paul harass me. I've never been physically harmed by the police, thank the Lord. But I, I've got I've got a um I'm not going to say a criminal past, but I've had my run-ins with the law. I do have a record. There are things that I did in my younger days that I'm not proud of that, thank God, I was able to um, come from those situations and not be a part of the system in the way that a majority of our uh, black brothers and sisters are. But I've got a past. So what if it was me? Is it going to be the fact that prior to the day that my life was taken away in an unjust way, uh, we're going to look at that and see, oh, well, this dude had a traffic ticket over here, and he argued with the cop one day, you know what I'm saying? So, all right, we just have to kind of look at him as uh, uh, as the – he was the problem. Ultimately, he was the problem. So if we're going to look at this person's past and say, well, he did this and he did that, he had co he was on coke, he was on that, whatever. Let's look at all of them cops prior, uh, priors and the 18 other infractions that uh, that Chauvin had. And let's look at the other issue. You know, if, if we're going to put things that are meaningless on the table, put everything that can be meaningful on the table as well. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. No, dude, I agree, hundred percent. And and just for those out there that may listen to this and say, yeah, well, he committed a crime. He put himself in that situation. That may be the case. Now we will never possibly know exactly what happened, and we can't sit here and it doesn't do any good to say, hey, he spent counterfeit twenty dollar bill or whatever. That doesn't matter. Whatever his crime was, the result he didn't deserve at all, and. I've um, been pulled over so many times for things that were things that, shouldn't have been know, pulled over. I agree, I but it goes a little bit deeper before you finish with your explanation in your excerpt. Yeah, there's there's a list that is growing of things you cannot do while being black because black people have gotten killed from it. And you know what? One of them things other than breathing is, which is the you know, which besides Eric Garner is, is new to this list, you can't even be at your home because a former cop, uh, uh off duty cop goes into an apartment building that supposedly she thought was her apartment building was somebody else's apartment building and she shot the person that was living there and that person ends up being black as well. So we can't walk down the street. We can't live it we can't sit on the uh, couch and eat uh ice cream. We can't um, sell loose cigarettes without a permit, or we can't sell Lucy's. We can't have a gun and be a um, be a have a concealed and carry permit as well at the same time. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't. So let the forget all of this. Well, let's look at their past. Right. How how about let's look at what they were actually doing, and that was just living. So and indirectly, the injustice system or the justice system, I'm sorry, uh, is looking at it like. Black people just can't live. 
So we're going to find the smallest infraction out there, and then once we violate their rights, we're going to take away their rights, violate them, and since they're resisting, we're going to kill them. Right, and so let's so to finish my point, let's look at the past of George Floyd. Did he have a sketchy past in Texas? Well, yeah, he committed some pretty heinous crimes. However, Minnesota was a turnaround point for him. You ask anybody that knew him, he was on a, a redemption story. Basically, this is a man, and and th- this is coming directly from a pastor from Minneapolis that said this is a man that would drag a kiddie pool onto a basketball court in the middle of the projects to help baptize young men and women in the hood to help change their lives. This is the life he was now living. His past, Mm -hmm. we talked about forgiveness in the beginning of this episode, right? Everyone deserves to be forgiven for their past. I had a, and, and Mo knows this, I was not a good person for a good chunk of years. I did some pretty bad things. I was, I I'm a completely different person now with my family and the way that I've, I've moved away from that part of my life. Um, and a lot of us, we have skeletons in our closets and a lot of us need forgiveness and a lot of us need to, to change our ways. This man was, was changing a huge, uh, portion of his life. And now I don't know him. I'm going based off of people that had stated what he had done. Mm -hmm. But look, if this guy is dragging pools out and baptizing people and trying to help people turn their lives around, I have a hard time believing he's a bad guy, right? Make some bad decisions. Sure, we all do. We all make mistakes. Heck, he may not even have known that that counterfeit bill was in his, that was counterfeit. I mean, how many counterfeit bills did we spend that we had no clue? It's just, look, the thing is, we have to stop the fear. Stop being afraid. The lady that killed the man in Texas because she walked into his apartment, she said she feared for her life. Why? Because there's a black man in your apartment? Well, it wasn't your apartment. But you thought it was, and you saw a black man in your apartment. Would you have been equally as scared if that was a white man in your apartment? I'm sure she would have been scared. But did she jump to a more massive conclusion because he was black? Most likely. And Mm -hmm. again... It comes from racism stems from fear. Some people don't even know they're being racist, and they may not even want to be racist. It's just ingrained in them to be afraid based mm-hmm. on objective things like the color of your skin. So yep. um, we've had a good conversation, Mo. I do appreciate you coming on and talking. I, I, I think giving you a platform to discuss some things from your perspective is highly important. Um this is probably something that we should do a second episode on maybe when we can have Sasha and Brian on. Um, but we do give everyone the opportunity to promote a foundation or a charity of their choice. Did you have one that you would like to discuss? I'm just going to follow suit and go with uh, George Floyd and the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and, and anything that supports uh, uh, anything that supports positivity, the positivity and change for the greater good of humankind you know that's that's where i would push it towards and if if, uh, participating to george floyd's fund um brings the awareness uh then that's where i would like my uh my proceeds to go to perfect and yeah if i hadn't said this before this episode is dedicated to george floyd um it is dedicated to the movement of black lives matter in getting the uh injustice from police to the the black lives of the united states under control giving them the same Mm -hmm. rights that everyone else should have um 
So, yeah, with that, uh, I, I want to thank everybody for listening. And, Mo, is there a place anyone can find you if they wanted to reach out to you or if they just want to know a little bit more about you? All things social, the human jukebox, DJ Mo, um, H-U-M-A-N-J-U-K-E-B-O-X-D-J-M-O. That's how you can find me. Yep, just look for the human jukebox, DJ Mo. And uh, with that, we're going to end our podcast, guys. Have a good one. Remember to stay level-headed, stay open-minded, don't dig your heels in the ground, especially with this topic. Be aware of what you're talking about, who you're talking to, and who you're talking on the behalf of, because your intentions may be good, but you might be doing more damage than you think. Have Just a good learn from the people that are willing to teach you. Don't fight the people that are willing to teach you. Learn Absolutely. Them. Be teachable. Have a good one. The following podcast has been a Grizzled Beard Studio production. We can be reached at betweenhardlines at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at BHL Podcast. Stick that in your beard. Thank you.